Before we begin today, I want to thank you listeners for helping 501c3BS blowing up into one of the top 10 podcasts for the social sector. You can help us even more by following the podcast, liking it, reviewing it, or sharing it in your social media. The more followers we have, the more episodes we can produce, helping you clear away the BS from your mission. Thank you. And now, on with the show. Welcome to 501c3BS, deprogramming for organizational growth. I'm your host, Zoot Velasco. We just need one big fundraiser. Our clients are our donors. Bigger is better. Who cares what the mission statement is? I work in nonprofits. Bullshit! Welcome to 501c3BS. Uh, Debbie Stout is the director of the Fullerton Collaborative, as well as a professor at Cal State Fullerton. She runs, what is it you do here exactly? Well, at the university, I am a faculty member for the Child and Adolescent Studies program for the Health and Human Development College. So I teach a lot of classes in child development and research design. Great. And um, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the, with the Fullerton Collaborative and ended up uh, taking it over. All right. Um, a few years ago, actually many years ago, um, we've been members of the Collaborative just as my own business um, in research and doing nonprofit work. And um, my daughter was born about nine years ago. And once she was born, I really started looking around the, um, the local city and wanting to make a difference and an impact in the city where she actually works or actually lives and where I work. So um, from a lot of the county work that I was working and doing, I decided to really focus on making a difference in the city of Fullerton. About three years ago, the former executive director had to go back um, and step back some of her roles, and so she was asking for assistance. And, so and that, that was Pam Keller. That was Pam Keller, yes. So I, I want to give Pam her props because uh, I believe Sharon Quirk, who is now our assemblywoman and was a former city councilwoman and mayor in Fullerton, uh, founded or co-founded the collaborative with Pam Keller. Exactly, is that right? Exactly. The collaborative started like in the late 80s. A bunch of teachers, including Pam and Sharon, um, needed to form a coalition um, for a grant. And, and so they actually came together to develop that. Pam has been the executive director during um, her maternity leave. Actually, Sharon came in and was the executive director during that interim piece. Um, but both Pam and Sharon, both advocates in the, in the field and um, great individuals. And just for a little history, uh, Pam and Sharon were both teachers in the less affluent part of town, which in Fullerton is literally south of the railroad tracks. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people make that, that joke about south of the tracks. But in this town, it's, it's true that that is where the um, lower income tends to be. And they were teachers in, in that area and really trying to wage a war against poverty and obesity for children and make a safer place out of an area that has a lot of challenges. And both of them ended up getting into politics. They both at different times became city council women. Um, and Sharon went on to the assembly. Pam went back to teaching. And uh, at, at some point it was it was a problem in terms of that the school district was in charge of the collaborative and there was some problem as to whether she could continue to teach and run the collaborative in two different positions within the school district and that is when you took over is yes, that correct that is correct that is correct okay great so um and how long have you been at the collaborative now i've been here now this will be three and a half years so as the leader as a leader and um just to you know I, i'll i'll sum up what i think the collaborative is having been a member myself uh it's a collaboration of all the um, 501c3 organizations that work in the community and also city 
government and other government entities that specialize in working with youth and youth issues. Absolutely. And we also include businesses. Um, we have a few businesses now that have added to that piece in addition to um, the educators. So Cal State Fullerton, the school districts are also members of the collaborative. Now, there are collaboratives in other cities that are just more a collaborative of all the 501c3 organizations in town, period. Ours kind of focuses on youth, but so, you know, you probably wouldn't see the senior center joining something like that. They actually are part of the Move More Healthy and Health and Wellness subcommittee, so they've been actually more active in that community because we're focusing on all residents. But uh, we are geared towards youth um, and a lot of our youth um, resources, but we've expanded that scope. Now, when people used to ask me in town what the Fullerton Collaborative did, who are not you know, involved in community benefit organizations, I would tell them, well, we're kind of a, um, we're kind of a chamber of commerce for 501c3. So the people in our organizations can get together and network in the same way a chamber does with business. Is that a good kind of Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's one way um, we, we share our resources with each other. Um, so networking is a key component of that. Now, uh, I'll tell you, this is not my first collaborative. I was part of a collaborative in the Harbor area that I helped co-found with a really wonderful, you know, sainted lady who has passed on now from cancer, but her name was Marianne Cyphers, and in my book, she's like one of the saints of the world. She's the Mother Teresa of the Harbor. And she was a woman who started as a volunteer with the Volunteer Center, ended up getting hired with the Volunteer Center to run the Harbor area's stuff with basically no money. And she came up with this idea of a joint agency meeting where all she wanted to do was get the CEOs of the different community benefit organizations in town together once a week and just uh, just talk about the things that were an issue for them and see if we couldn't amongst ourselves solve some of the problems. And it was incredibly more um, productive than you might expect. There were no funders involved. It wasn't like funders were showing up at the meeting. It wasn't like, um, you know, corporations were showing up trying to help us. It was just all of us CEOs in a room saying, here's a challenge we face, here's a success we had this week, and here's a need. And that's how we did the meeting. It was a challenge, a success, and a need. A need. And we just go around the table and say a challenge, a success, and a meeting, about five minutes each, and the meeting was over. And then we would network with people. And what would happen is I would have a need that someone on the other side of the table would say, Oh, you need a, a copy machine. I have an extra one. We're selling one, and or you know we're going to get rid of one and get a new one in. Or somebody would say, I I needed an air conditioner at one time. Oh, I have a window unit that we we used in our ballet studio, and we're not using it anymore. And they gave me a window unit. So we would get. Uh, I did the math at one point for myself. It was over two hundred thousand dollars of in-kind services that I got from that meeting, just in one year. And I think people often underestimate the, um, the strength of collaboration, mm -hmm. even when there's no funders involved. Now, that's not to say that I didn't also get grants as a result of that because we were collaborating, which made us look stronger to funders. But um, there was so much magic that happened just from that little bit of 
talking. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the Fullerton Collaborative does things in a little different way. Do you want to explain a little bit about what happens in a meeting and who, who comes and how it goes about? Absolutely. We um, actually have general meetings. We meet um, every the second Monday of each month, and we all come together. We go. We have in the past gone around the room just sharing who we, everyone is at the table. And so the collaborative, there's different levels of collaboration that we've been doing. One is just understanding and networking and understanding who's at the table. But the second piece is making a collective impact. And so one of the um, additional and higher levels of collaboration is now making a difference in the um, in the city. So we have pulled together key stakeholders and residents to find out what are the key areas of focus for the city of Fullerton. And we have identified four specific areas, and that has been homelessness, education, at-risk youth programming, and health and wellness. And so now what we've done is not only networked and shared resources and find out what people are need um, and what we can give to other people, but also what can we do to work together to make a collective impact? And so we have um, pulled our resources together, made some kind of a priority needs, or if you want to call it strategic planning, or some kind of a, a, a set forth goals for those different subcommittee areas, um, and identified um, gaps in services. That way that we can leverage funding together. We can also be able to um, you know, approach city council members and advocate for resources in the city. Um, so it's been um, a higher level of, of collective impact within the city. And when I was with the joint agency meeting in the harbor, we decided to try and go after a very large grant through the Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention. Those grants are usually, you know, 100000 to several million dollars. And that's not something, an organization of our size, uh, and I say that collectively because most of, the, most of us were under a half million dollar a year organizations. And that's not something we could have gone out and got by ourselves. But as a collective, we did a weed and seed grant with the local police department where um, they would basically weed out the, the worst offenders and lock them up. And we would provide counseling and um, services for the rest of juvenile offenders um, to kind of get them out of the gangs and out of crime. And we were able to get a grant for over a million dollars as a group. Now, I think... Um, we did similar things here in, in Fullerton. Do you want to talk about some of the collective impact projects that, that the group has worked on Absolutely. together? Absolutely. We have worked um, within the city. We had what was called Full Grip. Um, we got funded through this um, the city um, and the school district. Along And, and Grip is, was, is kind of a, the latest version of what used to be D.A.R.E., which is a program to deter kids who are flirting with gangs from getting involved in gangs. It's not so much to keep people who are already involved out as it is to get the younger kids from getting into gangs, correct? That's correct. That is correct. And so it's pre prevention. And we at Fullerton, um, we were focusing on specific families. And so we had direct services um, providers. So we had businesses working, um, providing like dance lessons and then um, alternative resources. Um, we had the city providing a park and rec department, doing some great mentoring programs. Um, so that's a, a great example of collective impact. Currently right now, we're actually doing um, a workforce development program where we have pulled together resources with the, the Chamber of Commerce, um, the Business Chamber of Commerce, and along with the Boys and Girls Club, along with the church faith community, providing mentorship. So they're doing like a 10-week program, um, and we are the facilitator. We help this discussion, part of our out, um, impact um, non-subcommittees, we actually put this together, um, where the businesses will then provide opportunities for these at-risk youth um, after they've gone through this program, and the mentors will help them through all, along the way. Um, we've also had the parks and recs, the health and wellness 
doing a great job partnering with um, with the city of Fullerton. And because of our work, they were able to apply for a grant, got over a couple million dollars in bike development and bike trails within the city because of our, um, our work together in our collaboration. I remember when I first joined in late 2007, there was an obesity initiative where they were just trying to get restaurants in town to offer healthier food options. And they were giving um, awards out to restaurants who, who had healthy menus. And they were trying to get the word out to parents about sodas. And it was just a very simple plan, but it was definitely a collective impact project without any, um, without any money behind it. I mean, generally for, for our listeners, collective impact projects are usually put together by funders who in a community decide there's one issue that's really a, a big issue that needs to be addressed, and they put a lot of money into it, and all of the organizations that do that kind of work get involved and collectively try to make a huge impact on a specific issue. But here in Fullerton, we were able to do that in smaller ways, but we did it through the collaborative, and it did draw some funding from funders for that. And uh, I think around 2009 or 10, we started another collective impact project on gangs and and crime and I was one of the people leading that project at the time and I remember one of the most interesting things about that is we had about 50 partners in the room talking about their organizations and what they did and some of them were city uh, organizations and some were faith-based organizations and when we when we went around the room we had this idea of what the problem is Then we opened it up to parents and we went out to community centers and talked to parents and we found out there was a whole different problem than what we thought it was. And that was a big revelation for me that often we don't always include the people who are most affected. We think we know everything and it's really great when we pull in the parents, the kids, the clients, the people we're working with and get their point of view. And what what was really interesting about that was we found out that one of the biggest problems was a lack of ESL classes because these kids were often the interpreters for their parents. And so the kids were not gonna tell the parents when they were getting in trouble in school. They would misinterpret information so they wouldn't get in trouble. And so the parents had no idea the kids were flirting with gangs or at risk for drugs or crime. Mm -hmm. And um, the parents were asking for ESL classes so they didn't have to rely on their kids. And we started that, and it made a huge difference, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. We also are working with the, um, the Ten Educational Commandments, providing the parenting training just to understand the educational system, like what a GPA is. May, someone that's new to the United States may not understand what that is and how to navigate that system, right. nor are they able to find out um, financial resources about how to apply for college. Is even college an option for my child, and how do I navigate that? So um, the Fullerton High School District, uh, along with the um, elementary school district, are now providing that because of our collaborative work in uh, in the city. Um, in addition to that, we have expanded. Some of the work is not only um, central to Fullerton, we have seen in regards to the homeless issue within the Orange County, um, and specifically in the North Orange County area, um, putting together our voices. So we actually are um, forming collaborations along those lines within the other cities, along with the health and wellness. Um, one of um, specifically we're doing for the um, the default beverage uh, it's hard to have a tax within the city you know in any city to pass however most individuals would want to have healthy children and the rise of obesity within children is extremely high right now um, and so we're looking at the default beverages for um, kids meals and um, 
So we've talked about it within Fullerton, but we've also reached out, and there's kind of a formation of a North Orange County collaboration with Buena Park, Placentia, Fullerton, and La Habra. So we're working together as a stronger force to advocate for some kind of um, policy, um, some kind of movement within the cities um, and on the residents, whether or not um, to support some kind of a default beverage. Disneyland has already adopted this. Many other restaurants like McDonald's and others have said that they want to endorse that. It's just a matter of if they're following through and doing it. Well, and that, that gets back to, I think, one of the most important reasons we're talking to you today as a model for the United States, because um, if people don't get involved in collaboratives and we don't as organizations really look at our missions as part of a larger community mission, then we, we often cutting ourselves short on how much power we can have. And when, when you get, I think you have what, 50, 60 organizations involved now? Exactly, 55, yeah. So when you get 55 organizations in a room together and they could go to City Hall and they can lobby for something and they can um, you know, ask for a, a tax on soda or uh, whatever they think is the important issue in town. And childhood obesity is a big issue across the country, mm-hmm. and so are gangs and crime. So when we can lobby for those issues, we have so much more power. So it's not just about getting funding. It's also about really flexing our muscles, using our powers in the community to make the community better as a whole. And I'm glad you mentioned the homeless issue because one of the great stories of the Fullerton Collaborative I remember is that about six years ago, I think it was now, maybe seven, there was a big incident in town that made national news when a homeless man was killed by police. Mm -hmm. And it became a national news story, um, the Kelly Thomas situation. And uh, as a result of that, there was a lot of spotlight thrown on the homeless issue because uh, he was a homeless man that lived with many other homeless men around an area of the railroad tracks that became a tent city. And the city was anxious to get rid of that tent city Um, which was actually just outside the library that we met at as a collaborative. And the Fullerton Collaborative was very, very uh, influential, as was the OC Human Relations Commission, in putting together talks that led to the creation of a homeless shelter that is now, I think it's just been built or it's being built? It's finished being built. And it is now opening. And um, so that that was a, a huge thing that changed the community for the better that came out of a tragedy because of the leadership of the collaborative. Do you, did you want to elaborate at all on, on the homeless issues or the collaborative's role? Well, we have really um, put together a wonderful group. Um, the challenges with homelessness issues is a, a lot about relationships. Everyone has their own um, beliefs about how to solve homelessness, and it's not one simple answer. It's, it's a very complex um, issue in the city and in, in the, actually the state. And so we are addressing it collectively, looking at all of the stakeholders that are involved, including businesses that may not agree with the faith community, which may not include with the other um, organizations within the city. So we're or working together. the city together. itself, right? The city itself, yeah. They don't want, uh, you know, and it's the, the NIMBYism that's going on a lot. Um, and Meaning not in my backyard is NIMBYism. Exactly. So sometimes with that, uh, I don't want uh, that um, individual or that issue in our city. We've had to really educate um, and also inform the individuals and putting together a marketing campaign um, along with the just how are we going to address the issue, have a strategic um, or some kind of a plan um, to address that within the citywide. Because of that work that we've had, we've also been, also been able to pull in new partners. Um, just recently, um, we got funded uh, funding through the Josh Newman um, 
funding for homelessness and they were able to support some of the work um, and data collection for CityNet with the city and the police department. So we're just, we're there. We're hopefully a, a strong voice um, so they can hear us and how and what to do in the city. Well, that's basically all the questions I have. Um, I'm going to be talking to Barry Ross this afternoon, who is a board member who's been involved since the beginning and also started collaboratives in other cities. Um, so I'm anxious to talk to him. But I just want our listeners to understand how important collaborating is. We're not in an industry that is in competition with each other. We all have unique missions that serve the community. And the more we can dovetail those missions together and, and work as a collective that brings in power and prestige and um, collective bargaining and, uh, you know, in terms of, of issues we want done at the city level or at the community level, and, and funding, all of those things go up when we work together. A high tide really rises all ships in our industry. Um, so I really appreciate you being here. Is there anything you want to say to end with, or is there any mythology or BS in our industry that you want to address? Um, I think one of the things is just to make sure that you're having the right people at the table. Uh, make sure that um, the BS is that I can do it alone, and it's not. You can't. You need everyone at the table to make a difference in your cities and in your organization. Yeah, I think one of the biggest pieces of, of BS about collaboratives is this idea that I don't have time to join a collaborative. I'm too busy. I'm a small CEO of a small non nonprofit and I can't do this stuff and all of that statement is BS to me because you really get out of something what you put into it whether it's a rotary club or a chamber of commerce or a collaborative and the more you put into it the more energy the more you'll get out of it and I think when people are active in collaboratives they get amazing things done as you've proven mm -hmm. thank you well thank you for being my guest and uh, we'll be back in a few minutes with Barry Ross this morning, I had a chance to interview Deborah, who is the head of the Fullerton Collaborative, and now I'm sitting with Barry Ross, who, what is, Barry, what is your exact title? I'm Vice President of Healthy Communities at St. Jude Medical Center, and I'm the regional leader for community health investment for Providence, St. Joseph Health, Orange County, High Desert Region. That's a mouthful. <laughs> I also serve as the treasurer of the board of the Fullerton Collaborative. And Barry, you are a founding member of the board of the Fullerton Collaborative, are you not? Yes. yes. And you've also been a founder of several other collaboratives, right? That's, That's correct. correct. So tell me all the collaboratives that you have been or are still involved with. So uh, just to give you some background, when I started working in my current position, which was uh, about 18 years ago, I wanted to uh, look at how we could connect better with the communities that we serve. And uh, I look back at the Sisters of St. Joseph's uh, founding. They were our founders. And they, when they began in 1650, their founder said, go out into the community, find out what the needs are, and work with the people to, to meet those needs. And I felt that that philosophy was something that I needed to do in my new role back then. So I started looking around to see what groups were meeting in the cities that we serve and how could I connect with them. The first group that I was introduced to was the Fullerton Collaborative, which at the time was a small group meeting in relation to a Healthy Start School grant. What, so what year was that? That was in uh, about 2000. And they had been meeting... Uh, sort of informally for a while and then more formally when the school district got the grant. But their focus was 
to advise around that specific grant, uh, which was at Richmond School. I was working with them and I saw potential to say maybe there's more they could do. And there was interest in broadening the role of that collaborative and to become more of a community-wide collaborative, not just a school-based collaborative. So as I was doing that, uh, somebody came in from La Habra to see what we were doing and they invited me to also an education-based collaborative there and said, we think we'd like to do more of a community-wide collaborative in La Habra. Can you help us? And so that's how I got started with the La Habra Collaborative. Similarly, that happened in Buena Park. There was an early childhood small group that was meeting in the city. They attended, uh, I think, the La Habra Collaborative. And I said, if you're interested, I come to you and we could talk about what we could do in Buena Park. And lastly, uh, from the local collaboratives, I uh, worked with uh, a small group in Placentia, the family's first collaborative. So in addition to that, I um, am the chair of a countywide collaborative called the Alliance for Healthy Orange County. So all of this work for, for collaboratives that you do is very interesting to me. And I wanted to talk to you separately from, well, in addition to Deborah, because you're doing something for a very large organization. What do you think the annual budget of St. Jude's Hospital is? The annual budget is uh, around $430 million a year. So that's no small potatoes. So it's easy for me to make the case to a small organization that collaboratives can be very important and influential for them. But you're somebody who is showing and proving that it's an important thing for a large organization as well. What, what do you get out of it uh, for St. Jude's out of the, the collaboratives that you belong to? So the issues that we want to address that are our priorities go way beyond medical care. So for example, one of our priorities is around reducing obesity in our communities. And we understand that you can educate people, you can provide health care, but that is not going to have an impact on the obesity epidemic. That we have to change policies, we have to change the environment, we have to change the culture in our communities. Well, hospital can't do that themselves. We have to work with the cities, with the school districts, with community organizations, with residents, with businesses. That's how you change a culture. And so it, that's the only way we felt we could do it is by working in collaboration. Does St. Jude's also function as a funder in some ways? So for the most part, we've not been a funder, but with our Move More Eat Healthy initiative, uh, we have uh, strategically funded cities and school districts and, and our collaboratives to do certain work. And we've asked them to, to do some policy work. Um, and so the funding we provide is both changing the environment in those cities and school districts, but is promoting them to do policy change. So it's not a competitive grant process where we're just saying apply. We're strategically going to partners and saying, will you partner with us? What would help you? And this is what we're looking for. So for example, with the school districts, we've said, you know, we'll fund revi uh, revising how your lunchrooms are or providing hydration stations or fitness centers. But in return, we want you to have a strong wellness committee 
that sets policy at the district level that meets four times a year at least and that does certain things. We want you to um, apply for uh, Alliance for Healthy Generation designation that requires the schools to implement certain policies. So it's a partnership when we fund. Now, as a large organization that also functions somewhat as a funder in the community, or at least as a, a backbone of support, would you recommend, I think, aren't you part of the um, Funders Roundtable as well? We're not. Our, our health system foundation, St. Ju- St. the Joseph's Community is. Partnership Fund, is part of the Roundtable. Uh, I, I, if, uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe St. Jude's is part of the larger St. Joseph's Health Network. Is that right? Yes, and now we're part of the Providence St. Joseph Health Network. Which, which is part of an organization that's all over California. I think it's not just Orange County, right? It's all over the West Coast. Okay, so it's a huge, huge conglomerate that you're part of. Yeah, there's 50 hospitals. So uh, if you're talking to funders and other very large organizations and they say, you know, why should I be part of a collaborative? What would you tell them? Well, I think funders recognize that there's more of an impact that could happen in collaboration. Uh, What I try to tell them is that In order to be effective, we have to work at the population health level, not at the individual level. And in order to do that, we have to do that through collaboration. Yeah, and I think most funders would agree that collaboration is a big part of why they give to who they give. And so people who are active in a collaborative are more likely to get funding because of collaboration than if they're working in a vacuum by themselves. you were part of some pretty spectacular initiatives here in Fullerton, and we mentioned with Deborah a little bit of what I knew since I'd been involved in 2007 when I came came on board. Um, and I remember that you had a, an obesity initiative and we had a gang initiative, crime initiative. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things, the successes you're proud of that have come out of your collaboratives? Uh, yes, Azu. The, the Move More Healthy initiative was really instrumental in um, encouraging the city to incorporate public health in their updated general plan. In addition, uh, helped uh, encourage the city to apply for state funding to increase uh, bike trails um, and um, has helped in uh, working with the school district on the policy arena. Um, in the area of gang prevention, uh, we uh, were partnered with the city on a Fullerton Grip uh, grant, uh, which was successful in working with many uh, at-risk youth. More recently, we are doing uh, a job development program for at-risk youth, which is really exciting. We're just beginning some collaborative work in the area of um the Early Developmental Index uh, to uh, ensure that all children are ready for kindergarten. Um, And we are um, also working on the homelessness issue. So, you know, this this, um, podcast is called 501c3BS. And it's we do we do that because there's so many myths in our industry that people believe and um, that really kind of help keep them back from growth. And one of the myths in relation to what we're talking about today is this idea that, oh, I don't have time for a collaborative. I'm so busy. I'm an overtaxed CEO I run, where I run five hats. 
And when do I have time to go to another weekly meeting and be part of a committee? And, you know, you hear this all the time. And, you know, for those of us who belong to things, we know that we get a lot out of it and you get out of it what you put into it. But what would you say to somebody who, you know, has that attitude of, oh, do I have to join another thing, you know? So I would say, do you want to address the underlying issues that are causing clients to come into your organization and that you don't have enough resources to deal with their issues? Because in the end, um, there's never enough resources to provide the services that people are coming into nonprofits for. So I believe nonprofits, in addition to providing service, need to work a little more upstream and look at what role can they play in preventing the conditions that are causing the need for services. And I believe that that is an important role for every nonprofit. And in order to do that, you can only do that through collaboration. I also feel that in collaboration, you are building relationships that could help your organization in ways you never may have thought about. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I have a philosophy that I talk about a lot on this program that everything should be related to your mission. And your mission is not enough because your mission is part of a larger community mission, right? Because you can't make the community better by yourself. You can only do it if we all work together. And collaboratives is a great way of doing that and when people see you collaborating they want to help you because they see you playing well in the sandbox with others right yes and another thing we we just uh as a, as a Fullerton collaborative, we've been moving more to get involved with policy change. And um, sometimes as a nonprofit, it's hard for you, your own organization, to get up, whether it's in front of the city council or the board of supervisors, particularly if some of those organizations fund your organization. So sometimes the collaborative can provide that cover and support and represent you without you being in the front. So not just not not only does it help in terms of creating partnerships that dovetail your mission so you can build capacity, creating partnerships that create larger funding sources, but also it helps with advocacy is what you're saying, because you can you can as a group advocate for an issue in the community that by yourself may make very little. Um, And I think that's true of, of all those things, right, because. I know when we were talking about the gang issue and other things, we as a city applied for grants that we could never as individuals get. And we as a city advocated for things that we as individual organizations could never, you know, really make an impact on. So you have a much bigger voice in all those things when you're working together, right? Yes. All right. I, that's all my questions. I'm, I'm done. Did, is there... Is there anything else you'd like to add? Is there any mythology of our sector that you see in your work that you'd like to address? Well, well, I just want to say that I really think it's important that nonprofit CEOs help educate and bring their boards along uh, around the importance of this kind of work and collaboration so that they have the support they need to do that work. Uh, because it's hard to do that if your board doesn't support you. And you've seen that happen where boards have been reluctant to allow a CEO to come be part of a collaborative? Well, I I think that I've seen where they don't want to pay the dues or they don't see the value. And so I, I think that it's up to the CEO to educate their board, maybe bring board members to some of the meetings so that they get a better understanding of who's at the table. 
at our last Fullerton Collaborative meeting this week, we must have had 60 organizations represented. That's pretty powerful if you bring a board member in to see who's at the table. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're talking dues, you're, I know in our case, there are some collaboratives that have no dues at all. There are some collaboratives where the dues are based on your budget size, yes. and they're pretty minuscule. They, they are. Especially it's, compared to other organizations yeah. you could join, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's really a token of commitment. Uh, not, and so it sends a message when the organization says, well, we can't pay $100. Then, then they're not valuing the collaborative, and we have to say why. Or either we're not demonstrating our value as a collaborative, or we need to educate those that will make that decision. Yeah, it shows you who's willing to have a little skin in the game. Well, good. Well, that, that was a nice addition. Thank you, Barry, and thank you for being part of uh, Fullerton. Thank you for being part of North Orange County and Orange County in general. And just for all you do, I mean, I think most people know the hospital if they've not had a surgery. <laughs> they know it through you because you're out there in the community. And, you know, why you are not man of the year every year in this town, I don't know. You're one of the unsung heroes of this town. Thank you, Zud. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to 501c3BS, Deprogramming for Organizational Growth. I'm your host, Zoo Velasco. 501c3BS is sponsored by the Gianneschi Center for Nonprofit Research at California State University Fullerton and the Mahalo School of Business. Join us at the Summer School for Nonprofits for one amazing week every August. Gianneschi is spelled G-I-A-N-N-E-S-C-H-I. That's G-I-A-N-N-E-S-C-H-I, Gianneschi Center for Nonprofit Research at California State University Fullerton and the Mahalo School of Business. Check out my Twitter feed at 501c3bs, my webpage at zootvelasco.com, and my book, The First 100 Days, on Amazon. The music is provided to us from our good friends at the traditional Brazilian choral group, Grupo Falso Baiano and Amy Molinelli. Find them at grupofalsobaiano.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great day free from BS.